Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The FBI warns the White House do not release the memo. This after President Trump says there's a 100% chance that he will. And the lawyers for the president tell Bob Mueller, back off. This is the State of America tonight. It'll be released here pretty quick, I think, and the whole world can see it. This memo lays out the true fact that the Mueller investigation is built on a rotten premise. It looks like the Republicans are prepared to compromise our rule of law system in order to protect the president. We're still going to complete the legal and national security review. President Trump's lawyers seem to be making the argument that Robert Mueller has not met the threshold for a presidential interview. I am extending an open hand to work with members of both parties, Democrats and Republicans. Hello, everyone. I'm Kirsten Powers, live in New York. This is State of America. We begin with breaking news on that secret memo, the FBI now warning the White House of, quote, grave concerns if it's released to the public. Their warning comes just as President Trump prepares to do exactly that. Listen to what he told a Republican congressman last night about his intentions on the memo. Let's release the memo. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. 100%. Can you imagine that? And even though the president has five days to review this memo, the, pre- the chief of staff says that he's confident it will be released. As far as the memo goes, the memo came over. Uh, we've got our folks in the in the uh, in the in the um, uh, our national security lawyers in the White House that work for me, work for the president. Uh, they're slicing and dicing it, looking at it so that we know what uh, what it means and what it understands. Did you see it? I did. What do you think? Um, we'll let the, it'll be released here pretty quick, I think, and every, the whole world can see it. And across Washington and across the aisle, there's worry that releasing the memo may have dire consequences. Well, this to me is very, very sad and dangerous. We're talking about defending the rule of law, defending the independence of the Department of Justice. We can't let the politics of the moment cloud our judgment. If there's classified information in that memo, it shouldn't be released. Let's get straight to Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, this is a pretty strong statement from the FBI. What are you hearing from the White House? Well, it's a stunning statement from the FBI, especially the FBI, which is led by someone who was handpicked by President Trump not that long ago after he fired the other FBI director, James Comey. I'm talking about Christopher Wray, who was just sworn in in August. So certainly a stunning statement. And another thing to just kind of peel back the layers here, this was already a sentiment that Christopher Wray had expressed to the White House about this memo. But clearly he did not feel like those concerns were being heeded. And he felt the need to go public with a statement explaining why the FBI 
does not think this memo should be published. But what we heard is recently from the White House is that the president clearly wants this published. He's made that very obvious with his 100 percent remark last night. And then the White House hedged this morning with the press secretary about when they were going to release it. She said she hadn't seen it yet and she wasn't aware that any final decisions about its release had been made. John Kelly made that crystal clear during that interview when he said that they're going to release it and they're going to release it pretty quickly. But we have been told by sources inside the White House that aides have told the president he should wait a few days before he releases the memo. So it does seem as if he's giving due weight to those concerns voiced by those of the Justice Department and the FBI over the release of this memo. But if anything is evident with this president, he wants to get it out as quickly as possible here, Kirsten. Okay. And switching gears for another developing story we're following, there was a train of Republicans going to a retreat. They hit a truck in West Virginia. Two lawmakers are in the hospital. How's the president responding? Yeah, that's right. The president has been kept abreast of all the developments about this. He was actually in a meeting with his national security leaders when this meet, when this when this accident first occurred. The White House said he had been briefed, and we know that since he's been briefed more fully on this, aides are keeping him aware, especially the chief of staff John Kelly. And we do know that the president has spoken with House Speaker Paul Ryan, who was on that train, who is also okay. So we do know that he's keeping in, in contact with them, and the White House is continuing to update us on what they know. They were the first to tell us that it was confirmed that there had been a fatality, not from the GOP side, but from uh, the wreck in general. And so they did keep us updated on that. And they said they will continue to let us know. We will see the president here in the next few minutes. And there's a chance he could comment on this here, Kirsten. All right, Caitlin, thanks for keeping us up to date. And let's get back to the battle over that controversial FBI memo. Joining me now is Asha Rangappa. She's a CNN analyst and a former FBI special Agent, welcome, Asha. I'm so glad we can have you here today because obviously you used to work at the FBI. Have you ever seen anything like the statement that we have seen today of the FBI saying they have grave concerns about something that uh, the president looks like he's ready to release? No, I haven't seen anything like this. I mean, I think back in the J. Edgar Hoover days, there were probably uh, battles uh, between the FBI director and the president. But, you know... That was a different time. And usually these kinds of things, given that they're both in the executive branch and this is his own appointee, you would have thought would have been worked out. So for this, uh, for his own appointee, Christopher Wray, to make such a strong public statement like this, uh, to discredit, you know, the accusations that have been made in the Nunes memo and to essentially stand up to the president, I think is uh, pretty extraordinary. Right, especially because it sounds like they're not really, the main concern isn't uh, sources and methods. It's that they actually say that, that this is not actually accurate information, right? Yes, and I think that, uh, well, we don't know what the the memo contains. I mean, even if it's cherry-picked certain facts that uh, were used to corroborate or support the FISA application, um, that could divulge information that uh, may compromise an ongoing investigation. But obviously, if there are people named in that memo uh, and accused publicly of having engaged in misconduct or criminal misconduct or abused the process, you know, that does go to the legitimacy of uh, the rule of law, the FBI, uh, how it's perceived. And I think that if if they are, in fact, untrue, uh, and the director would be able to check that and know that, I would expect him to uh, state out loud publicly that uh, that it's not true and that he has concerns about it.
Um, there's also you know, these reports that Devin Nunes, um, who's the head of the House Intelligence Committee, basically wouldn't answer a question about whether the White House was involved in the drafting of the memo. What, why does this matter? It matters, Kristen, because this memo was ostensibly prepared in his capacity as chairman of the House Intelligence Committee conducting oversight. And when Congress is exercising its oversight function, this is a part of the separation of powers in American government. They're doing this independently. If he was secretly working with the White House and essentially acting as an extension of, you know, the White House uh talking points, um, that not only uh, compromises the idea of the con- of Congress acting independently and really the integrity and validity of this memo, um, but I think it also raises some concerns about uh, whether whether the president is obstructing justice by trying to, you know, use these um, other means to discredit the Mueller investigation. Okay. And we just have about a minute left here, I think. But there was also this Washington Post report about uh, that the inspector general is apparently looking at a three-week gap from when Andrew McCabe found out about the emails on Anthony Weiner's uh, um, laptop, which, of course, he was married to Uma Abedin, who was a top Clinton aide. Uh, what, what do you make of this report? I think we need to wait and see uh, what comes out of the inspector general's um, investigation. So on the one hand, uh, this did apparently involve um, a series of exchanges between the New York field office and FBI headquarters. Having worked at the FBI and in New York, I can tell you that sometimes those uh, field office headquarter, uh, you know, discussions or disagreements can can delay things. Um, We are also talking about two different criminal cases. There was the Anthony Weiner investigation, the Hillary Clinton investigation, moving evidence from one to the other. Uh, You know, there are there are legal issues about, uh, you know, maintaining the integrity of evidence, for example. On the other hand, if uh, Andrew McCabe was deliberately trying to slow roll the investigation or uh, not uh, let it go forward uh, with with new evidence uh, with the Clinton emails, that could be a problem. All right. Thank you, Asha, for helping us sort through all of these moving pieces. And Trump says that he's open to speaking with the special counsel, but his lawyers say not so fast. The panel is next. The controversial memo from Republican Devin Nunes could shape the conversation about Russian meddling, but the FBI is now raising grave concerns over its accuracy. And Nunes won't tell colleagues if the White House helped to write it. The panel tonight, Nan Hayworth, a former House Republican and a member of the Independent Women's Forum Board of Directors. Amy Parnes, CNN political analyst and a senior political correspondent for The Hill. Bill Press, host of The Bill Press Show. And Margaret Hoover, CNN political commentator and Republican consultant. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, I guess, Margaret, let's start with you. What do you make of this news? I mean, the FBI has come out and said they have grave concerns about this. Uh, Before the FBI said this, I'll tell you, as forget my partisan affiliation. I, you know, I believe that we're in an open society. I believe that, you know, we depend on an engaged citizenry to make educated, informed decisions with information ahead of us. And I'm not 
before this, I really wasn't concerned that Americans would be able to see through whatever it was and just look, more information is better. I mean, that's how I tend to approach mm-hmm. these things. I um, tend to believe that transparency, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You get as much information out there and then it's up to an engaged citizenry to make a decision. Um, it does give me pause that the FBI director ha- says there are grave concerns. I mean, that, that adds an element of uh, caution here um, that also gives me pause given the fact that having known Devin Nunes when I worked on Capitol Hill with him and having seen his progression, especially in the context of the Trump administration, having become what feels to me as more of an instrument of a Trump administration than a uh, a congressman serving his constituents Mm -hmm. uh, in an impartial way, I'm concerned now. Yeah. Well, what about that? I mean, we know that Nunes was asked about whether or not he's been working with the White House on this, and he refused to answer. Look, this is Devin Nunez's deja vu, right? We've seen mm-hmm. this before. Devin Nunez got, had to recuse himself from the Russian investigation because he said, I've got all this top secret stuff. I'm going to go down to the White House and tell them that I've discovered. It turns out this was stuff he got from the White House, went back to the Hill, went back to the White House. It was such a laughable thing. They threw him out of chair of the committee on this investigation. So now he's saying, I've got this top secret stuff. I've got to show the White House and then ask the White House to release it. I, I think it comes down to... As Marvin indicates, the choice is really between this wacky congressman from California or Donald Trump's appointee as director of the FBI, who says, whoa, transparency is one thing, but national security is another. Well, and Nan, he's also, he's not just his director, he's somebody the president has come out and reiterated his faith in, right? So it, why, why do you think uh, the Republicans are ignoring the concerns of this, of this FBI director that, that, that they have said they trust? Right. Um, well, I, I agree with Margaret. I think that we have to take uh, the FBI director's concerns seriously. Uh, and I, too, have and I have said, you know, I'd like to see that memo. I'd like to see it appropriately scrubbed for security concerns, of course. You know, and I'd like to see the Democratic sources and, and I don't have, and Bill, I don't have an objection to that either, yeah. quite honestly, because everybody will view these things in uh, a, a certain light, obviously. I am eager, what I'm eager to see is Inspector General Hor- Horowitz's report, which... Uh, you know, doesn't get an awful lot of attention in the midst of this political turmoil. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be most revealing. And the other thing that I never hear uh, from uh, the folks who are concerned about the memo is how then do we explain Struck and Page? I mean, those texts are damning. Uh, so certainly that leads people like me and many, many others to believe that there is something, uh, there has been something at the higher echelons of the FBI that discredits the work of 99% of the Bureau. Well, they, Which is they, were, they were fired. Doing their I mean, duty. Once they were discovered, been, they were fired. They've been repositioned. And, and I think, but then, but you raise the question of why not just wait for that inspector general's report? It seems like because the Trump administration is very interested in discrediting the FBI. Right. And I think that you've seen that uh, drip, drip, drip. This is their focus. They want this out there. Um, for one reason and one reason only. Uh, they, they want to discredit the FBI. They want to prove that they were in the right on this. Uh, Bob Mueller's investigation is going to keep plowing straight ahead regardless. Uh, I don't think it's going to have much impact on this. I think it's just going to keep going and it's going to pan, you know, a certain segment will say, see, I told you so. And then, you know, another group will say, no, it's, it, this isn't, this isn't right. So I, I, the conversation will continue. Yeah. And I think the other thing about the, you know, sunlight's the best disinfectant, the problem is hardly anybody's actually seen the underlying information, right? The underlying intelligence that went into the document and the people who have are saying, 
other than the people who are very partisan are saying this isn't really an accurate reflection. And in fact, I would argue the same thing for the Democratic memo. It's like, what's the difference? I mean, mm-hmm. why should their memo go out if it's also based on things we've never seen? By the way, I want to know what Carter Page was doing. Why was he having all of these meetings? And I think that's a legitimate question. And the FBI thought it was da- serious enough that he could be a spy for the Russians. And that's why they went to the FISA court. What was there? Right. But, of course, what the Republicans are saying, and we don't really know what's true, is that they didn't give all the information to the judge on the FISA warrant. People who say they know about how these things are done, that that's not really how it happens. But, I mean, this is this is the problem, yeah. is that we have an entire news cycle spun yeah. up over something that we know 1% of the information <laughs> yeah. about, and right. it's all speculation. Right. Right. You yeah. want information? Yeah. I know. Yeah. This yeah. is the information on. age, I thought. <laughs> but I think yeah. we, can, we can all agree that, I, you know, no one, certainly uh, no Republican, is trying to impugn the entire Bureau, by any means, and that particular line mm-hmm. should be discarded. That yeah. is inaccurate and unfair. I think that's that's a great point. It's just like I said, the, the one one of the people they've really gone out of their way to say is great is telling them not to release the memo. So, but we'll have to table this until the next segment. Coming up, is the president trying to build goodwill with the Democrats, or is he putting up more walls? We will decode his State of the Union message straight ahead. I call upon all of us to set aside our differences, to seek out common ground, and to summon the unity we need to deliver for the people. This is really the key. These are the people we were elected to serve. President Trump there calling for unity in his first State of the Union address, but he also made some partisan jabs about immigration, Obamacare, and even the NFL players' protests. Let's get back to the panel. Uh, Bill, did you feel unified after this? I think there's a problem between the teleprompter Trump and the tweet Trump. There are really two Trumps. And we saw the teleprompter Trump last night, Trump, Trump last night. And his best behavior, like he was last year for his speech, stuck to the script, threw out some nice lines about unity. Uh, and then, and Gloria Borgia mentioned this last night, February 28, 17 was his last speech. Mm-hmm. It, it was March 4th, just that few days later, that he accused Barack Obama right. of spying on him, uh, yeah. wiretapping at Trump Tower. So yeah. we're going to see. I, I, I didn't fall for it. But it's even be I, the same old Trump. Yeah, I, I guess I also just wonder if even separate from Twitter, Trump, if it was very unifying. I think Democrats well, don't feel like it was. It's I, like, what, what's with the bringing up the NFL stuff? I mean, that doesn't even. Right. That's, that's that? red meat for the for the conservative yeah. base. That's not that's not a unifying theme. But also, look, I think. The first half of the speech really was unifying. He spoke in broad tones. He talked about American greatness and profiled these wonderful American heroes for their truly courageous acts. He represented diverse groups. And that was all great. And then when he got into the substance of immigration reform, on on its face, as it, as it began, I thought, wow, this is really extraordinary because you're actually putting out your deal in the State of the Union. Except for that the way he framed the gangs in the United States, the MS-13 mm-hmm. gangs, particularly cast all immigrants as 
even though he didn't say this, the framing mm -hmm. of it really cast all immigrants as the perpetrators of crime. Mm -hmm. That is not how you and your Democrats to come to the table yeah. to make a comprehensive immigration deal. Right. Well, right? yeah. And it, by the way, doesn't help like centrist Republicans right. or moderate Republicans oh, either. Right. It yeah. just helps your base. And that's how he started his campaign. Remember? Yeah. Well, and also, <laughs> Nan, Nan, there was you know this this statement of all Americans are dreamers, which yeah. has become kind of you know unfortunately was something that you know people like Richard Spencer and David Duke were praising on Twitter because they were, you know, this is sort of a rallying cry to them. And the thing, thing I don't understand, I don't I'm not, and I'm not saying that. all Republicans are racist if they think, if yeah, they agree that. with that yeah. statement. I know. Okay. But I think mm. there is something strange to me that I don't understand why it's such a zero sum game, why it's offensive that people are called dreamers and that somehow that's implying that other people aren't dreamers. That's, now, that's not the way I took it at all. And as a first generation American uh, who cherishes the American dream and has managed to live it uh, with many blessings, uh, I didn't hear the president at all in that light. I thought, well, that's marvelous. And in, fa in fact, to me, that's unifying. It's like, yes, we have mm. dreamers here who we need to welcome because it's already said that they need to have a path to citizenship. Let us unify. We are all dreamers. We can relate to that vision. But that was a mm. pejorative term aimed at these young people who we call that dreamers who dreamers? came here. No, 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 I, no. absolutely. I disagree. He, the I disagree. way he said it, he's been saying it privately, putting down the dreamers thing, and he, he said it not. publicly. He has said it. He has said it publicly over and over again that he wants to have a great heart for them, and he is yeah, right about that. Know. And he's, he has said yeah, that he wants them that, to become citizens. He's kind of he's kind of been yeah he's kind of been all well yeah maybe because like I said when you see people like David Duke and Richard Spencer saying oh that's great and it's sort of sending us this message that we want to hear uh, people take offense at that. But he also, when he talked about immigration, sort of presented it as, oh, here's a plan that, you know, is so fair and it has, you know, you know a little bit of what the Democrats want and a little bit of the Republicans want, when really it has a lot that Donald Trump wants and one thing that Democrats right. want. Right, and all you have to do is look at Chuck Schumer's yeah. face last night, and that kind of said, you know, told me what you needed to know. Right. So, um, yeah, Democrats were not pleased by what he said. They didn't feel like, you know, there was this, this promise to offer them more in this speech to kind of be come toward them a little bit, and I don't think they got that at all. Quite the opposite. I think they felt really offended by that one line in particular. Uh, they don't think that this is coming. You know, if this, this was an effort to get to independence even. I don't think it was working uh, yeah. very much. And also the family uh, reunification, which the Republicans are calling chain migration, was another even, issue that he brought up that did not get a great reception even, from Democrats. Even chain migration is a negative term for family reunification. And, and, it, it, and to, he always says you can bring anybody you want in. That's not the case. It yeah. is somewhat... And it should be limited. I think everybody would say it shouldn't just be anybody, but to call it chain migration. I'm still trying to find out where that came from. I asked people and nobody can tell me. Uh, it used no to be called idea. family reunification. You know, and now suddenly it's, it's treated like because you want your parents in your same country as you that you're doing something nefarious. One other thing I have to say is yeah, I, I really don't think we have a state of the union speech anymore. And I say that of Democratic and Republican presidents. It's become it's interesting, yeah. a campaign event. It's become yeah. a big pep rally for the party in power. And I'd like to get back to having, here's, a, here's what we need to do, guys. Let's get together. Here is our agenda. Maybe we'll never see that again. But, but Bill has but a dream. that was in there, <laughs> yeah. Bill. And oh. if you saw Patty oh. Murray, I mean, oh, she looked positively animated.
But if you, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was not a she, yeah, uh, that was yeah, not was a, a, a look forward. It was. I mean, what was interesting was Margaret that they presented it, they teased it as, oh, this is going to be a very unifying bipartisan speech, and it really they did, and it, and it wasn't it was, at all, which I yeah. think fits. I think in Trump thematically, but it, it was different and a departure from previous campaign uh, State of the Unions, and that many of the previous State of the Unions in the George W. Bush White House that I worked for, and even in Obama often tended to be laundry lists of all the things that we're going to do or that we've done. I mean, right. really yeah. granular laundry lists, very highly specific. And this was more, besides sort of immigration reform, it was broad, it was overarching, there were sort of big themes, and it was very far from, you know, this American carnage inaugural yeah. speech, right? It very was far. optimistic <laughs> in Thank its tone God. and its tenor, <laughs> right? Well, look at how the country's now. turned around in a year. Right? <laughs> there's, there's much reason for optimism. And the, the, the more robust our economy is, the more we can welcome into this country, and that's, I'm the daughter of an immigrant, that's the whole point, is that we have a robust and welcoming nation. Okay, Tell man. Donald Trump man that. Gets the last he word. knows Tell that. Donald gets the last Trump word. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for that. Uh, and this is day 377 of President Trump's administration. That's the State of America tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.